Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. And when all of life is over, and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called to thunder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. All right, praise the Lord. All right, praise the Lord. Are you washed in the blood of the Lamb this morning? Do you realize that the precious, perfect blood that Jesus Christ shed on the cross of Calvary was shed for you? Well, if you realize this, that this morning, you can praise God for the revelation because Jesus said, with men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. And so you can know in your heart that when the roll is called up yonder, You'll be there. Praise God. If you know Him as your Savior this morning, He's a great and mighty Savior, the Creator of all things. Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and an apostle of Jesus Christ, to them that have attained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God, and our Savior Jesus Christ, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust, and beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, <clears throat> they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. For so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. For we have not followed cunning devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came down from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy wherein you do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place 
until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Turn with me to Second Timothy again. I say again because we were here last week. We're going to start out here. Second Timothy in chapter 3. Alright, last week we talked about the daily necessity of God's Word for His people. And yes, God's people are those that God the Father gave to His Son before the foundation of the world. God's chosen are those who God the Father sent His Son to this earth to redeem because they could not make a connection back with God being fallen from birth, inherited from Adam and Eve. God's chosen are those who Jesus Christ hung on the cross for. When He was hanging on the cross, you were on His mind. And they say, well, that's impossible for millions of people to be on His mind. He was God. And again, as he said, it may be impossible with man, but with God, all things are possible. God's chosen are those who Jesus Christ lived a perfect life for. That was his purpose. That was the reason he came. He always pointed away from himself and to God the Father, didn't he? He did. He did. God's chosen are those that Jesus Christ died for on the cross. Those God's chosen are those that Jesus Christ pleased the Father on behalf of. That makes sense? God the Father was pleased with him. And human ears heard him say, This is my Son in whom I am well pleased. He pleased the Father for you. Because he loved you. God's chosen are those whom God sends his Holy Spirit to quicken through the Word of God. God speaks to you this morning, he does. How does he do it? Through this book right here. We hear a lot of people saying, Well, God told me to do this and God told me to do that. Well, show me. Where did where did he tell you? You see what I'm saying? God uses His Word not only to save us through the gospel of Jesus Christ because the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. We're going to see that some this morning. But after or and after we are saved, after we have come to the realization that we are sinners in a desperate position without Christ, after the Lord quickens us or makes us alive or makes the Word of God alive to us by the revelation of Jesus Christ. And He has to do that. Us believing and realizing who Jesus Christ really is and having faith in what He did on the cross for us is impossible with man. But with God, all things are possible. You see, Jonah had it down when he came out of the belly of that fish. 
when he said, salvation is of the Lord. Let me tell you, he meant it. He meant it. And only of the Lord. All right. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 1. This know also that in the last days, and we know this is Paul writing to Timothy, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, can't help themselves, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. Well, I'll tell you, that tells me that we're in the last perilous times because that's how the world is today, isn't it? Absolutely. For of this sort, verse 6, I'm sorry, verse 5, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, led away with different lusts, divers lusts, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Again, as Jesus himself said, for man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. So, have you been able to come to the knowledge of the truth this morning? If you have, boy, you can praise God for it, can't you? Because you were unable to make that connection. But all things are possible with God. And He loves His chosen people. And not one will He lose. All right. Verse 10. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 10, But thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering, my charity, my patience, my persecutions, my afflictions, which came unto me at Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, what persecutions I endured. But out of them all the Lord delivered me. What happens when God saves us? Well, all of our life, we've had a way of being. Our daily lives took certain paths because of uh, the way we were raised, the things that we believed, the things that we learned as children, the way that we believed was the right way for us. We had a manner of being, a manner of life. Well, Paul is telling him that thou hast fully known my doctrine, my manner of life. You know me. You know how I have been living. Well, Timothy also knew how he had been living before God saved him. Before he saw the bright light and was in the presence of God suddenly. When we were saved, we were walking in darkness. We... As the Bible says, all had turned unto their own way. We believed that our way was better than God's way. Oh, but suddenly, when God quickened us and saved us, we were in His presence. I don't think Paul, I know Paul didn't know who it was at first. 
Who art thou but... And he said, Lord. Whoever it was, he knew that it, he was uh, not a natural being. He recognized that this was a supernatural being who was speaking to him. That's what happens to us when God saves us. We know the doctrine because God reveals it to us. He reveals to us that when He died on the cross, He died for us. All right. Back to the necessity of God's Word for God's people. When God saves us, He changes our manner of life, doesn't He? And He does so by giving us a new purpose. We're following verse 10 here, by the way. 2 Timothy 3.10 Thou hast fully known my doctrine. God shows us the gospel of Jesus Christ, doesn't He? And He shows it to us in a powerful, life-changing way. And our manner of life is changed because of the power of the Holy Spirit in our minds and hearts. Our purpose has changed. Instead of pleasing ourselves and finding uh, what we think is happiness in our own, fulfilling our own desires in this world and in the things of this world, suddenly our purpose has changed. Why? Because we realize we have a God who gave His Son for us that we might have eternal life. It's a drastic change in our purpose and manner of life. Faith. Faith coming from cometh from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So our manner of life, our purpose has changed. Why? Because now we have faith in God and in His Word. That His Word is His Word. That it is the authentic Word of God. And we're changed. Now we are long-suffering. Now we have love for others. Now we have patience for others. Our life has changed. Now we go through these persecutions and afflictions that like Paul went through, But we have a different attitude now, don't we? We don't cry out, Why is this happening to me? We realize that God's in control. And we realize that He's teaching us lessons through these things. These pains that we go through, these sicknesses that we go through, these disappointments that we go through, they're all teaching us something. And I believe if we roll all these lessons that we are learning through these persecutions and afflictions that we're going through in our lives, it'll be one lesson. And that's total, total trust in God. Total confidence in Jesus Christ and what He's done on the cross for us. Total confidence in the promises that He's given us. Now, we are able to grow spiritually 
Yes, it's impossible with man, but all things are possible with God. He's given us a life that we didn't have before, a connection with Him that we never could have made. We are able to grow spiritually when the Word convicts us of our sins and our manner of life outside of faith in Jesus Christ. He shows us who we are, doesn't he? I know I went over some of this last week, but we're going to go a little further, hopefully, Lord willing. And of course, when the Lord, through his word, convicts us of our sin, what is it, emotion does it cause in us? It causes a sorrow, doesn't it? It does. It causes us to sorrow over our sin. In Acts 2.37, we saw that some who heard the word were pricked in their hearts. In other words, the word of God penetrated their hearts. That's what happens when you read God's word and you trust in Him. The word of God penetrates your mind and your heart. That's how your manner of life, from the thoughts you have, to the words you speak, to the actions you take, all of them have the impression of God and His ways on you. So it's so important, isn't it, that we stay in God's Word, that we don't neglect God's Word, and that we apply God's Word. And of course, when we realize that we're sinners and that we're only saved by grace and we're convicted of our sin, we confess our sin, it causes a hatred of sin in us, doesn't it? That we've received a new nature when God saved us. That new nature is completely and totally opposite of our old nature. The love of these sinful things, we hate that now, don't we? It's something that's developed in us. As God hates sin, so we hate sin in our lives. And this is the way that the Holy Spirit draws us closer to God in His Word. And so, the Word as we study it, it causes us to forsake sin in our lives. That's important. We may think, well, I've forsaken my sin and I'm not sinning anymore. But then we look at yesterday and we go, oh, I am still a sinner. I do still need God's grace and God's mercy. Yes, we will one day outgrow this sinfulness that dwells within us. And when we see the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be like Him. We're going to know Him because we're going to be like Him. And there will be glory revealed in us 
that the things we go through in this world cannot be compared to. There is nothing. Second Timothy 2.19 says, Let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. And we do, and we're able to, because of the Spirit, Holy Spirit of God applying the Word of God to our minds and hearts. The Word of God has a profound effect on us. It's so necessary for us to dwell on His Word, to be still. When you be still and study God's Word, you realize that He is God, don't you? Be still and know that I am God. All right. Now, Turn with me to Second Peter. Second Peter chapter one. Well, Jean read it for us. <clears throat> verse three, Second Peter chapter one, verse three says, according. Well, I better read you at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord. I want to put a little bit of emphasis on the knowledge of God here. This is not simply telling, someone telling you when you're a child, there's a God that did all this. And you believe in it. This knowledge of God is a saving knowledge that comes from the Holy Spirit of God when He applies the gospel of Jesus Christ to you. Who gets all the glory and salvation? The Lord does. 100%. Verse 3, According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. There's that new manner of life. There's that new purpose of life, isn't it? Where did we get it? Where did it come from? How did I change? What made the difference in me? According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. There's a complete change of purpose and manner of life that starts right there when the Holy Spirit of God quickened my heart and convinced me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for me. Oh, He's a great Savior. He deserves all the glory, doesn't He? Give the Holy Spirit His due. He's alive in you. He is the driving force behind your new purpose and your new manner of life. According as His divine power hath given us all things that pertain unto life, and I'm saying spiritual life here, because He's given us a, a powerful saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory 
and virtue. See, He's called us to be like Him, right? We quote quote, uh, Romans 8 and, and 29 a lot. The ultimate aim of the Christian life is to be like Jesus Christ. Not only is it our aim, we realize that we've been predestined to be conformed to His image. In other words, it's going to happen. God's in control, right? If God predestines something to come to pass in the future, it's going to come to pass. There can be no doubt. Because God, again, I say, is in control. Pertain Things that pertain unto life, verse 3, and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. There's that new nature that you are a partaker of. There was nothing you could do to make that connection. There was nothing you could do to deserve that new nature. It's a divine nature. It's a nature without sin. That you might be partakers of the divine nature, this new nature that dwells within you and is a total opposite of the old nature that still dwells within you. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. In John 3, 3, Jesus told Nicodemus, He said, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born of the Spirit. The acquisition of a new nature. (coughs) By the predestination and the application of God you have received the divine nature. You have been born of the Spirit. That's how you have this new life. Oh, let's look at Matthew chapter 19. You know the story. The young man asked Jesus, what can I do to be saved? Verse 22 says, But when the young man heard that saying, because Jesus said unto him, verse 21, If you will be perfect, go and sell that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But the young man didn't want to give up anything of himself to follow Christ. When the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When his disciples heard that, and they heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? 
I always like to find out what did Jesus say. This is what he said. Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men salvation is impossible. By the works of men, salvation is impossible. There is no other way than faith in Jesus Christ and what He's done for you on the cross of Calvary. But with God, that's a good but right there, but with God. Without God, we are nothing. And hell-bound sinners who deserve the wrath of God. Oh, but with God all things are possible. Even this spiritual life that I have this morning. Oh, if we should desire Him enough to continually seek Him in His Word. He's there. He's there and He's there for you when you seek Him. Every day, We need to seek Him. We are becoming Christ-like as the Holy Spirit draws us closer and closer to Him. We are partakers, as we read in Second Peter, the fourth verse of the first chapter, of the divine nature. First Peter chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18. Let's look at this redemption here. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 18 says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things. What did the young man that asked, How can I be saved? What did he not want to give up? Corruptible things. His riches that he depended on for his life, or his lifestyle, you might say. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with these corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the tradition of your fathers, but you're redeemed with the precious blood of the anointed one of God, Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. And he pleased the Father. There was no sin in him. Who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. Who by him you do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. And that your faith and hope not be in those corruptible things that we're going to leave behind, see? Where is our faith and hope today? Oh, I pray that it's in Jesus Christ who pleased the Father for you. Seeing, verse 22, you have purified your souls. How? In obeying the truth. How can you possibly obey the truth? Through the Spirit. Through the Spirit. That's how 
the truth is applied to our minds and has the effect on us so that it changes our manner of life. It changes our purpose in life. And it causes us to seek Him. Seeing you have purified your souls and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Verse 23, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Jesus uses uh, the seed as a type of the Word of God, doesn't he? In his parables. He does. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the Word of God which liveth and abideth forever. The psalmist said, Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. The word of God is so important to us. Verse 24, For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man is the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof falleth away. This young rich man he had glory in his riches, didn't he? Oh, but the grass withers and the flower thereof, which is as the glory of man, it falleth away and means nothing, doesn't it? But the word of the Lord endureth forever, verse 25, and this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. Incorruptible seed applied to the heart and applied to the mind by God the Holy Spirit. He enlightens us, doesn't He? And we recognize Him as Yahweh. He is I am that I am. He is the holy, righteous creator and sustainer of all that is including you. All right, turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter four. And we'll close right here. Second Corinthians chapter four and verse one. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. God sees us, doesn't He? He does. Yeah, that's scary. Oh, but it's also comforting, isn't it? Because we are in His mighty hand. Verse 3, But if our gospel be hid, it's hid to them that are lost in whom the God, little g, of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, the same Creator of all things, has shined in our hearts 
And what's the purpose of this shining in our hearts? To give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God. Do you realize that all the glory for your spiritual life belongs to Him? Well, then praise Him because He showed it to you. He shined that light in the darkness of your mind and your thoughts and your ideas. He shined the truth. For God who commanded the light to shine out of the darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Oh, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels, these human bodies, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. We're always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our body, in our lives, in our manner of life, in our purpose in life. For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life worketh in you. Oh, what a Savior. Won't you seek Him today and every day? It's so necessary that we are reminded of who we are in Jesus. Why? Because we're still in this flesh and we forget. It's a ministry of remembrance. That we remember that Jesus Christ died for us. That we remember that we were in darkness and had no revelation of Jesus Christ until the Holy Spirit applied the Word of God to us. Oh, the Word of God is so important. Won't we stay in it every moment that we can because the Holy Spirit enlightens us and directs us in this new purpose of life that He's given us through His Word. What a Savior. May God bless the reading of His Word today.